Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Dunk. Oh. And I'm a Chino. <laughs> uh, what's my name? Dunk a Chino. That, uh, so, say hello to my chocolate blend. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yes, we, we watched Jack and Jill. We also uh, have already pre-recorded the uh, Cobra Kai review discussion, which is about an hour and 45 minutes. And I have to figure out how I'm going to parse that down to something that's actually fucking palatable for people. Uh, yeah. Good luck, me. But <clears> yes, <throat> uh, the the topic at I, uh, hand. I, I, Jack I, love, and Jill. I love you and I love Julio and I love talking to you guys. But when it was like. Hey, what what do you want for season five now that we've talked for an hour and a half already? And I was like, I want John Kreese to show up with a gun and fucking kill all the kids. I'm fine so with we that. don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> no, we got to talk about the show forever. It's going to happen forever. There's going to be 15 million seasons because they're just going to keep writing different ways of Daniel being a complainer. Oh, I like the show. I just. You don't want to talk about it for an hour and 45 minutes. Not not in a single stretch. No, not when I'm trying to get back to my Spider-Man marathon. Oh, that's true. We got to get through that. So uh, I guess I'll ask, how are you? We'll keep it brief. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I am uh, here. I'm still alive. Uh, Still spending money on magic cards after I pay the rent. I decided to, uh, I don't know. I I'm obsessed with, uh, the idea of like magic, the gathering as a board game. So like, uh, I built like, I bought a bunch of decks to go in a box that are like exclusively played with each other for like, whenever me and the wife feel like doing that for an evening or whatever. So that's fun. Just little, little projects and stuff to keep me busy. Uh, and I've also still been playing uh, Morrowind because, you know, I spent like fifteen hundred dollars on a new computer with thirty two gigabytes of RAM and a three thousand like new monitor, keyboard, all kind of shit, you know, all the bells and whistles. And I use it to play a game that's 20 years old now. Yeah, there you go. I've been playing that and I've been playing Paper Mario and I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> That's true, because you uh, you're you're going through it in terms of retro shit. Yeah. I don't know. I think. Because uh, like Morrowind, honest to God, is like one of my favorite games of all time, like it's it just hit me at like just the perfect moment and like. I really got sucked into it and like. I just really like the story and the setting and everything, so. So, like, I've been thinking about whenever I have finally, like, 
milked the experience for all I can about maybe going back and playing Oblivion. And the more I remember about that game, the less I want to do it. Right. <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, as for me, uh, I am on my pff, what fucking. Seventh day straight of working because uh, we have an integration going on for payroll systems and I have to make sure that everyone's paid correctly. Yeah. So uh, that is my life. Uh, I have had very little time to do anything else because most days I leave the office in fucking pure rage. So I, I, I literally watched nothing this week because I just wanted to blow <laughs> off steam. Yeah, I actually uh, actually got some time off for around the holidays, uh, which of which today is the last day. Mm. So. The uh, nice thing is that anytime that I work over these weekends or anytime I'm supposed to have scheduled off, which are holidays, uh, those hours will be added and then added as a PTO incentive for that I can use later in the year. So I get additional time off this year. So hooray for that. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, so there's that uh, quick join our discord uh, links is in the show notes. Listen to stacking triggers, a magic, the gathering podcast. Uh, and with that, we'll go to what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the can. I'm having some Jack Daniels old number seven black label Tennessee sour mash whiskey uh, with Pepsi. What do you have? Uh, I have uh, Rusty Rail Brewing's Fog Monster New England style IPA. It is 8.6 alcohol by volume and 80, uh, 68 IBUs. And that's it. There you go. I guess I could point out the uh, the jack I got as a Christmas present from a co-worker, uh, which came with these Cleveland Cavaliers uh, rocks glasses. Oh, throw those in the trash. Because he knows I'm such a, a big basketball fan. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking garbage. Just throw those out. <laughs> This is my awareness of like things that normal men know. I didn't realize that uh, Cleveland had a basketball team until he gave me this. Uh, okay, sure. Even when I even when I was like kind of tangentially into sports, I I don't know. I've I have no awareness of basketball. It was never really my thing. Yeah, uh, I liked basketball. Uh, and then it became just like foul city, like fouls were just called the stupidest shit. And I'm just like, I, I hate this game now. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed playing basketball in gym class. Right. Because everyone called their own fouls, which means no one called their own fouls. And, you know, it was just it was just fun and yeah. pure and whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll bring us into news. There is no news. That'll bring us into downstream where we have one fucking trailer. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Yeah. Uh, the trailer is for Feria? I think, maybe, is how you pronounce it. Uh, it sounds like a Metroid planet. Yeah. Two sisters must face a new reality and supernatural elements when it's revealed their parents participated in a cult ritual ending in death. When the light tinges everything with darkness, Sophia and Ava will have to face the... F- uh, a reality full of shadows. 
Uh, this comes out this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, what did you think of trailer? It's a cult. So Dan is interested. Yeah, I don't know. They have like some some neat looking stuff. There's like yeah. a, a person inserts their hand through somebody's stomach mm-hmm. and like just a weird dream shit. If anyone recalls the third season of Castlevania, uh, you'll you'll notice that one of the girls has a the tattoo on her body. She has the uh, the symbol for Mercury tattooed on her body. Which yeah, uh, or like if you know, like, you know, real world arcane symbols and, you know, alchemy mm-hmm. history stuff like that's that's not originally from Castlevania. Like, you I know, I'm that, just right? saying okay. that that's how I know what it, okay. it represents. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's actually like the, the symbol for mercury or for sulfur, which actually is also another symbol for hell. So let's go hell cult. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's, yeah, it looks neat. Look, it looks like it has some neat visuals, but uh, it's a show. So uh, we'll see what that means. Yeah, is that the I, whole intro segment? Oh, I, we, we'll, we have we'll quick, hits. quick hits. Um, yeah. yeah, unless you have something, I have nothing. I watched Don't Look Up. Oh, see, I'm going to catch up on that this week for the Swillies, but uh, I knew I was not going to have time to also because I was afraid it was going to make me mad to uh, during my mad state. I wanted to actually give this a shot because I know like the discourse around it is like, it's too obvious. No, it's great. It's great for fucking climate change and shit. What did you think? It's all right. It's um, I've seen a lot of people compare it to idiocracy which like Idiocracy is a movie about how dumb we could become. Uh, this is a movie about how dumb we are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, subtle but important difference. Um, I don't know. It's. Uh, everybody in it's an idiot and gets. What they deserve, I guess, except Jennifer Lawrence is like the only one who consistently is like not a piece of shit. But like, I don't know, it's got it's got its funny moments. Uh, It's got its moments that are like uh, just make me incomprehensibly angry. Yeah. Um, But like I like at the beginning when they find the comet that's going to come and blow up the earth. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence's immediate reaction is, I need to go get high. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I don't know. It's uh, uh, If you're going to watch it for next week, I won't get too much into it. Cause, yeah, uh, I, I do want to watch it because like, it's one of those movies that's either, like, based off of everything I've heard about it, it's either going to land on my best of the year or worst of the year list. Yeah. Like, no, no questions asked. Uh there's there's a character in it who basically is um Steve Jobs, Elon Musk type and uh I want to I want to punch his face. Yeah. Uh I will say that Adam McKay uh and this was normally I don't like listen to anything directors fucking say about their movies cuz I like to just let their movies happen and let me judge what they're trying to say without them fucking trying to tell me uh, apparently this is supposed to be about climate change, but also this could have been about fucking COVID or like any cataclysmic event that involves science. 
but like Adam McKay was like, if you don't like my movie, it's because you didn't get it and just keeps doubling and tripling down on that. Uh, and I only have no, this to say to Adam McKay, to uh, go fuck yourself. You're an idiot. No one likes you. I hope your movie loses all the Oscars. And in fact, I hope you win Razzies now, you fucking hack. No, yeah, it's an OK movie. So, yeah, that's that's about all the discourse I've invo- involved myself in is directors actively calling out people saying, hey, if you don't understand my movie, y- y- uh, you're stupid or something like don't fucking do that. That, that makes me not want to be on your side when I watch your shit. OK. All right. Uh, with that, we'll cut into a quick break and then it'll be time for the longest review of Cobra Kai season four you're ever going to hear in your entire life. Uh, good luck, everybody else. Hey friends and potential lovers, have you ever felt so passionately after watching a TV show or a movie but not have a pal to share it with? Allow us the honor of keeping you company with our weekly podcast for your reference with your hosts, Katie and OT. Each episode, we break down our hot takes that you'll either ardently agree or vehemently disagree with. Like subs versus dubs. How important is a cohesive narrative? What's with the popularity of the relatable villain? Is it possible to be truly objective in spite of your own experiences? And most importantly, are you getting a clue and which direction is it pointing? Come on now, it's pointing towards for your reference. That's a great reference. If you've got a little room in your rotation for some salacious frivolity, check out for your reference wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get in our main review topic for the week. It is Cobra Kai Season 4, but before we do that, we're happy to welcome back Julio of the Contrarians podcast. Uh, Julio, you were on last year for Season 3. Welcome back for Season 4. Thank you, Senseis. Thank you for having me back. It's been a a long journey. Yeah, the Netflix and Swill Dojo. Well, if you want to become an official member of the Netflix and Swill Dojo, you're going to have to prove yourself. Oh, no. Uh, Let me me beat the shit out of you for a while. (laughs) Uh, And then you're going to say that this that Dan did it so that you can get rid of him. He's going to say that Gerald did it so we can get be rid of Gerald forever. (laughs) Finally. All right. Well, that that's fine. I can handle it. Uh since at least if we if it goes according to what we saw on the show, uh it's not going to bruise me. It's not really going to you know, do any lasting damage from what I can see. So, it, I can that, I can handle that. Well, I'm not I'm not just going to, you know, kick you a bunch of times. You're also <laughs> going to receive the fist of fury. Dan, get me the long rubber glove. <laughs> I have no idea what that reference is. Uh, that is from Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Uh, and the character that says it proceeds to go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I wonder where my glove will go. As two men snivel in the corner. That's from Pulp Fiction. Also. Oh, I get it now. Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we fucked it up. Sorry, Julio. I don't know how to come back from a fucking uh, Kung Pao reference <laughs> in my uh, Cobra Kai review. So, uh, Julio, how have you been? <laughs> I've been great. I don't know. Okay, so I know that Dan was binging this almost mm-hmm. simultaneously with mm-hmm. me. Did you watch this? Uh, uh, I watched it all 
on New Year's Eve in like one big long straight shot. Well, when did midnight you. hit you? Uh, it was like episode six or seven. <laughs> the return of a beloved character, because I think that's around the time it <laughs> that's, that's yeah. about that time. Right, <clears throat> right when the ball dropped, the he, you know, trundled onto the fucking screen <laughs> with his stupid fucking woven be- braid beard thing. Uh, well, I I watched two episodes last night, and I binged the other eight today. Uh, say what you will about this show, it, it's bingeable. I think that yep. yeah. haters and lovers can agree on that and just power through it. Uh, as for me, I split it up over two days, five episodes uh, yesterday, five episodes today. Symmetry in all things. Balance, as Miyagi would say. <laughs> Oh, Daniel son, you're still wet behind the ears. Uh, if that isn't true, Caleb, please tell us all the vital things that are important about season four of Cobra Kai. Uh, season four. Miyagi-Do, Eagle Fang and Cobra Kai are training for the Old Valley Karate Tournament. Uh, new characters show up. Old characters come back, whether you want them to or not. Johnny and Daniel are still mad at each other for some reason. Uh, watch the kids punch each other. And d- d- nobody go to jail. <laughs> Inexplicably. It's fine. It's a campy show. It doesn't matter. Uh, Julio, uh, what did you think of season four of Cobra Kai? I'm a little shocked that uh, Caleb didn't bring up the most important element of season four. Uh, the ponytail man and his influence throughout the oh, entire yeah. season. We'll talk about Terry Silver. Don't you worry. Okay. Well, as long as we do. Uh, overall thoughts about season four. Uh, well, it was a season of Cobra Kai. <laughs> At this point, three seasons <laughs> in, I think that uh, we, we got the formula down. Uh, we know that there's a, a a percentage of clips from previous movies and from previous episodes, sometimes from within this season that we have to hit on every episode. Uh, And we know that Daniel and Johnny are not going to see eye to eye until the very end. Um, And we know that uh, the bad guys are going to turn out to have a positive side and the good guys are going to turn out to be a negative side. And so when they actually fight, we're going to be torn on most of those fights about who we want to win. Or at least that was my experience. Maybe you guys were a little more, uh, I guess, certain about who now, you I, were uh, rooting for. I've, I've, I've been pretty consistent the whole time. I still think that uh, Sam fucking uh, is, <laughs> is like the biggest bitch of all time. And I just want to see her get her face smashed in. Yeah, so. yeah I'm pretty much there, too. Yeah. I, I'm a little more positive that, uh, on Sam than uh, than you guys. And I remember this from our last conversation. I was as well. But this time, this season really tried my patience. And uh, it wasn't until the last episode that I was like, all right. Um, it, this is not, this is far from perfect, but uh, I, I feel for you. Uh, I don't <laughs> know. I mean, she's, she's, what would you say? She's like an eighth of the show, maybe. You know, the, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, it's like anytime she has any 
small amount of conflict with anybody else. She's like, oh, my life's so hard. And everybody else is like, you've been handed everything your whole life. And nobody's ever told you that, like, you know, you can't have what you want. Right. So, <laughs> They're not wrong. And that's like her core conflict with every other character in the show. So whenever people take things from her, uh, it makes me laugh. <laughs> right. Like she she flips out over the littlest fucking shit. It reminds me a lot of myself, but also like not because some of the shit she flips out over, I just would never potentially even consider as being an inconvenience of my life. I think that the what really made me turn on her this season is just that unlike previous seasons, she was no longer the underdog. I think that she is in a in a, an advantageous position and yet she's still acting like a brat. And so it's harder to get behind her when she's starting fights that don't need to be started, especially after both dojos have agreed to kind of cool it until the tournament. And yet she's out there instigating conflict and I know See, she's going through stuff. Uh, but... They kind of, the way they like, because everything's cyclical in this show, um, and they refer back to everything in the past in like clever ways. So, like, where Sam LaRusso is at in this season, it kind of casts her in the spot where Johnny was in the first Karate Kid movie, and Tori is like where Daniel was. So, like, <laughs> he's kind of down on his luck and. And Sam's like, you know, relentlessly, you know, pushing her down and like making fun of her, her poor status at the current moment while Tori's just like trying to get it together so that her family doesn't, you know, get thrown on this out on the street or starve to death. And, uh, you know, like, why would Tori not fight back? Like, sure, Tori's fucking crazy, but like. Come on. You went to her her job where she was a mermaid princess for children <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fucking antagonized her. And so then this scenario also Miguel, Miguel's Elizabeth Shoe. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, also, that was perfect because uh, whenever like Tori lost her job or whatever and had to start like had to get another one. Vanessa was like, oh, no, she's going to be a stripper. And then it shows yeah. them in like yeah. a green yep. room putting on like colored wigs and doing their makeup and stuff. And the boss is like, hey, you there, Tammy. It's Tori. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> more more red on the lips. And she's like, Ugh. and like sitting there in a in a bra and stuff. Uh, and then they come out and they're they're mermaids at a child's birthday party. I had the biggest sigh of relief when that moment happened. I was like, oh, fuck, she's a stripper. And actually sitting next <laughs> yeah. to me, and she's like, don't they like ID their strippers to make sure they're of age? I'm pretty sure Tori's like 16, 17. <laughs> and then it turns out, I was like, oh, no, she's just like a mermaid princess. And it's like, yeah, Whew. whenever whenever they showed uh, like what she was actually doing, I was like, fuck me. That is a good joke. <laughs> Because you have fatalists like us who are just like, well, I guess the only thing this girl can do is like whore herself out. And then the next scene is like, oh, she's whoring herself out. Fuck. Ah, uh, shit. That's right. It wasn't it was almost that bad, but not as bad. She was just uh, entertaining children. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I think that the it's not like I have much sympathy for Tori 
even though I could feel that the show really wanted me to. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's been weird. I think that the 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 main change in this season is that I I was more kind of like in the middle. The, the previous three seasons, I've been very much rooting for uh, Miyagi Do and uh, and Joni, and you know, basically, Kreese was the bad guy, and sure. Uh, but there was that that it was a little more nebulous, right? And I think that this season, when you put them actually face to face, where it's like Johnny and and Daniel versus Kreese and Silver, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what exactly it got lost there that was in the in the first. It might be that the whole uh, underdog scenario. Like I, I was finding I, I found myself frustrated throughout the season just with the fact that Daniel and Johnny have the resources to win this thing and yet they can't get out of each other's way and i guess that's kind of been the story throughout you know the show but this time it feels like it you know it was just too obvious for them not to not to figure it out much sooner you know they have to wait until the last episode of the season to kind of have the talk and that you know you you think they would have had or that they tried to have throughout the season but they didn't you know nothing ever came out of it and that's I found that a little frustrating. I was still, you know, watching and well, everything, but I was just like more annoyed by them throughout the throughout the show. It it was really dumb that they had to like make them keep fighting after how season three ended. But like from the writer's perspective, I can kind of see where they didn't have any other choice because then they get to the fucking all valley at the end of it. And like, if Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang combine, then they just have to, like, name a bunch of other fucking people <laughs> to be in it at the 11th hour that nobody <laughs> gives a shit about. And it's like, well, obviously these kids are going to lose. It's like, I don't know, because, like, there were, what, five other fucking dojos in There's the All ten. Valley? There's none total. of them. Yeah, none of them had names. Like, you, you had the three you gave a shit about. That was it. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think that we could have gotten to that tournament without it feeling like we were kind of like treading water through most of the season. Uh, I, I, you know, I if we were gonna have a split between them and eventually be, you know, it'd be three three dojos at the end. Like it could have. I wish we had gotten like a more interesting way there. I, I wanted to see them work together more, I guess, than they did, and um, just not hit some of the beats. But I think that it also has to do with like, I don't know, what do you guys find yourselves like? really enjoying when you watch the show because in my case like and i think that's been a constant since season one the the miguel johnny relationship yes, is that is the one best of the part of the show nice period yeah end of story yeah. the worst part of the show is and you touched on it is uh daniel versus johnny in anything anything that <laughs> like i like halfway through the season i am like like I, i'm trying to like not lose my shit because like a lot of there was a complaint about Bojack Horseman that I heard that was like, it's the same thing, but it's like, this guy's an addict. So of course it's a, a lot of like, he's rising, he's rising, rising. He hits rock bottom because he's an idiot. And then like, there's the fallout of him hitting rock bottom. And then like the next season's the same thing. This was the same thing. And like, yes, Johnny's an alcoholic. Uh, Daniel's a narcissist, but like, none of them have like this addictive personality that makes you think like, Oh my God, like th- this is, they're just, addicted to this abusive relationship it's just 
holy fuck, just please, for the love of God, just pretend you're adults for like five minutes and actually have a conversation. Because there are times where you do it and it works. And I'm like, finally, we're past this point. But then you rehash <laughs> it all over again. And I'm just so sick of it. Well, especially because the stakes are so high. That's the problem. Like, I I can buy that they're both pretty proud and that they just have trouble. And they just don't like each other. I mean, that's fine. But I, I thought that last season kind of made it clear that they had decided to at least temporarily bury the hatchet because there was something that was so much bigger than the rivalry. And and what? that thing's still there, <laughs> like, in this in this season. You know, like... <laughs> not Not to, like, shit on the point you're making, but, like... The the high stakes is a children's karate tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong, but like this show is ultra camp. Like that's that's right. that's the point. It's like it's, it's so yes, world. Like we're so heightened. We're we're told to care about it, therefore we do. Like well, in right. the sense that they the show is effective at what it does, but well, well, the, the the stakes are high because in theory, you know, if they lose this tournament, there's no more show. You know, it's like that. That's that was the whole point yeah. of the bet. And then, so, you know, at the end of it, it doesn't matter anyway, one, one way or the other. So, because of course they're going to keep doing more show, no matter what. Exactly. Like, the, like this is such. A, I mean, we already talked about it last week, but like they've already finished filming season five. So, like, well, like you have to keep going. Like, is it going to be like Glow, where in theory this because we never got the final season for it, but like Glow shuts down in vegas and then like what was glow going to be afterwards is it going to be a glow type scenario where we have no idea what these fucking characters are going to do now like it, it, are these are, are are the people who win are they completely aimless in what they have to do now because it's over like the, like they've already conquered everything where do they go from there oh dude i'd be so down for that really off kilter season of uh cobra kai where yeah <laughs> oh this is definitely gonna be that the next one is just uh, them doing some underground martial arts training, and or maybe uh, Daniel just takes them all to Okinawa, and it's the entire season is Okinawa. I don't know. I mean, just since we're like four seasons in, I think the next season they can probably afford to take some chances with the formula. Um, I, I, I mean, I'll save some of my thoughts for spoiler talk, but there, there's some things that they could have done to like shake things up. Sure. So we we referenced it a bit. Let's quit beating around the bush. Uh, the boy is back. Uh, Terry Silver, the the fucking cartoon villain from Karate Kid 3, uh, who had like an old timey phone sitting in his clamshell bathtub, chomping on a cigar and like, you got to dump the chemical waste in the river. Hey, you got to kill the karate boy. Yeah. He's the best character ever of anything. Um, I I cherish him so much. I was I was worried for a bit because uh, like he came back and he was like, oh, you know, I'm an old man. I got I got my life together. I stopped doing cocaine. And they referenced how like the Karate Kid 3 is a cocaine addled fever dream uh, directly. <laughs> and now that's canon. And I love it. But right. like. I was like, oh, no, he's not insane. Uh, but then he he proceeded to go completely fucking insane. Uh, and it was great. Discuss. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've I can't remember the last time I saw the first Karate Kid movie. Uh, I've never seen two. I have never seen three. So seeing Terry Silver 
Uh, I've only heard about him through uh, lore passed down by generations. Uh, the legends, <laughs> the, the tomes being passed down from ancestor yeah. to ancestor. And seeing him, I was like, man, this guy isn't insane. But then watching him progress but then into he, But then insanity. he pulls his hair back, and then he's crazy. <laughs> well, I don't know if he's crazy at the beginning. Like, he seems very calculated. Like, in fact, I thought he was completely in control of the entire situation the entire time. Like, I, I never felt like he took a blow, uh, even though, you know, there are times where it looked like it. Like, he, he, it just seemed like it was a glancing blow. Like, oh, this doesn't actually ultimately affect anything. And it turns out I was kind of right. But uh, he's still a fucking stark raving lunatic. Uh, yes, uh, Caleb. Before I, did you uh, do you think like performance wise? Do you think he outcreases crease? He got there. Um, <laughs> see, like, I don't. I don't think you could outcrease crease in like. You can't out silver Terry Silver in like Karate Kid Three. I think that's the apex. Cause like they literally jump out from behind corners and like stick their tongues out at Daniel to scare him. Um, like that's, that's obviously the Zenith. I, I don't know. It was, it was real good. Like for a couple of old guys, like they really, they really brought it back to, you know, made it not fucking ridiculous. Like they, they actually made it like, so that I would give a shit about it. And not just like in a cartoonish sense, or I'm mm. on board for a 90 minute movie about uh, Daniel dumping all of his college money into a store for Mr. Miyagi to sell small trees. Yeah, that, like criminals keep coming in and smashing. Um. <laughs> Man, I'm so bummed that you haven't watched Karate Kid Three. Love this yeah. franchise so much. <laughs> There were a lot of Curry Kid 3 uh, references that you you would have relished if you'd seen the movie. And, oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, thankfully, you know, you had the clips to help you along. Whenever yeah, they, and thank you, they clips. Uh, I, I actually really do appreciate the clips because, like, how many... I, I know they're on Netflix. I'm, at least I'm pretty sure they're still on Netflix. But, like, how many people are watching The Karate Kid being like, yeah, I want to see more of this shit. I'd yeah. like to see this guy, you know... Coming up on fucking retirement with a smoking hot wife uh, and a kid who's an asshole and another kid who's an asshole. And I, I just want to see where, you know, I also want to see where Johnny Lawrence is in this whole fucking thing, too. You know, I want to see what happened to that kid <laughs> fucking 35 years later. See, you know, oh, he fucking went down. Uh, yeah, he went on a downward spiral because he was a guy who beat yeah. in high school. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, let me see and that. And like uh, they they need movies two and three to have more things to draw from for the show. But movies two and three are objectively bad and they can't expect people to watch them. <laughs> so I, I also appreciate the clips, even though I like movies two and three. Yeah. Uh, well, Terry Silver was easily like the big the big draw this season. That was like the, you know, the teaser was him yes. like putting his thing back and his quotes. And um, I think he delivered. I agree with both of you. I think I think he was the MVP this season, at least for me. Um a lot of the characters I love got a lot less screen time and uh, some of that screen time went to him. And I'm glad that that's yeah. how it went because he, he I think that he was the most interesting character because I didn't know what to expect from him. Uh, and uh, yeah, he kind of went through a journey from where we found yeah. him playing his piano to where he ended, you know, and everything in between. 
And I, I thought on a kind of like a, on a meta level, I was just glad that this guy, I don't know what was the last thing he did, like the actor, uh, but to suddenly be plucked. I think I mentioned it uh, when we did the uh, season three episode that I just thought it was cool that these these actors were being brought back to to play the same characters and suddenly now they have the the Netflix spotlight on them. And so just to see them uh, come in and do really good work and suddenly get, you know, get to be in the uh, in pop culture again. That's I don't know. I, I I get a kick out of that. We we have breaking news here. Uh, and by breaking news, I mean, this is old fucking news. Uh, this man had not performed in anything since 2007. Thomas Ian Griffith. That is a hell of a gap. He was waiting for the call. That's retirement. Yeah. That's that's awesome. And he came uh, in and he's like every episode. Put me on every episode. No stunt double. I'm going to do my own stunts. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like, uh, you know, we, we of course we get stunt doubles because these kids can't like <laughs> you can't expect these kids to be doing like a flying tornado kick, which, by the way, it's just a fucking spinning, uh, a, fl- a jump spin round kick. That's all it is. It's not that hard. I don't know why everyone was like, oh, my God, the yeah, jump it's also wildly impractical. Tornado. It is, uh, although I've done it to somebody and it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that, like, every character that you can think of, except for Elizabeth Shue, because she was such a big plot point last season, but, Mm -hmm. like, all of them making at least an appearance. Like, everybody who is alive who has been in a Karate Kid movie or show is in this season. I'm pretty sure uh, we missed uh, Daniel's love interest from two, but that's about it. I guess she's on the Elizabeth shoe. Oh, yeah, category. she wasn't. Oh. She wasn't part three. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I hate Stingray. Uh, I <clears throat> I think we all we kind of talked about this in the, in the pre-roll, but like we all ha- have the consensus of Stingray was funny for a bit and then they just kept pushing him onto us and then we all grew to hate him yeah it's like a little bit of stingray goes a long way Mm. yeah which is what we got into season i mean all things considered he gets one episode basically and then Mm. in a coda and uh and he turns out to not be basically just use him as a plot point exactly yeah yeah so yeah i i can i i actually like that you know it's like if yeah if you're gonna do it then do it with Stingray. And maybe that's it. <laughs> we don't but, see him again. I mean, the problem is, is that it's just, it's Stingray. Like, it's like your least favorite character shows up for a fucking cameo in a sequel, like episode or fucking movie. And you're just like, why? Literally anybody yeah. else. It could have been anybody else. It's like if they did a fucking friends, like reboot show but it was just called The Adventures of Ross and nobody else was in it. Hey, hey, Wayne would love that show. <laughs> uh, well, Wayne's an idiot. And uh, Paul, you can sample that and put it on your soundboard. Uh, I mean, it also could be the Sex and the City reboot series thing uh, where everyone hates it and no one likes anything. Let's talk about the other big person who showed up. Aisha, uh, she's been yes. missing for so long. She's been gone forever, and she yeah. shows up. 
uh, in episode six to offer Sam some guidance on how to handle the Tory situation. Yeah, she doesn't she doesn't show much show up so much as like they wrote in a scene where Sam drives to her house. Because she's still at a different school and and isn't doing karate fights. So they're not talking like they didn't talk until just now since she moved away. Was that the implication? In in this fantasy world, people don't talk to each other if they aren't at the same school or dojo. (laughs) If you don't do karate, you don't fucking matter unless you're fucking somebody who does karate. Yeah, because Sam was surprised that Aisha hadn't moved just because of the the fight. And you'd think that that would have come up if they were, you know, texting or mm. I mean, they used to text all the time when she was part of the show. <laughs> so <laughs> we guess. can't have her. We can't show her. We can't show her lightness. We can't show her thoughts because then we'll have to credit the character and then we have to pay her. Do we know why she left the show? Does anybody have a reason? Like, cause well, wasn't, wasn't the theory her that parents was were too... scared that she was getting into too many karate fights. No, no, no. In the real world, I think that they they wrote her off the show so they could make room for Singray. And that's why it's so special that <laughs> season four, they both come back. Don't, it was budget for both of them. Don't, don't put that evil on me. <laughs> Let me find out what she's been doing since. Nicole Brown. Uh, no, no, she's been doing Nicole nothing. Nicole Brown? Yeah. We've got to keep her safe from O.J. Simpson. Oh my god. Talk about a throwback. There you go, everybody. <laughs> fucking fucking uh, so long ago. See season five where OJ comes back and does a quick murder. <laughs> he so, kills yeah. Terry Crease and or uh Terry Silver and, and Crease no, rises Kreese, again. They, they do the, the fusion dance uh, like they do on uh on Julio's shirt. They do the fusion dance and then they become one person. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. All right. So uh, we got that. Uh, let's talk about people who got put to the backside. Uh, Robbie. Robbie is not in this, year, this season very much. Uh, if he's in this season, it's to help the new character. Kenny? Pain? Pain's his last name. Kenny. Kenny. It is Kenny. Kenny. Yeah. He has a dad. Yeah, he's a uh, major Pain's son. Another, yeah, has- another classic character comes back. His dad's in the military. He's major Pain's son. That's canon. <clears throat> that's true uh so what do we think about robbie getting pushed to the sidelines this season it's fine i was tired of him uh they can kind of let him stew on the back burner while uh it's implied that his character is having some growth and they can focus on other people because they didn't know what to write for him <laughs> <laughs> well i think that it, it it mirrors the the other character that i think got I wouldn't say screwed, but they definitely uh, shortchanged him when it came to screen time, and that was uh, that's Eli, which I think that the middle of the season is just he's not there really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but much like Robbie, I think that they sort of built him up so that they could have a big moment at the end in the finale. Uh, uh, Eli's definitely worked for me. Robbie is not so much because I like the character less. Um, but you know, Robbie. They, I guess they. The whole point is that they give him a relationship with, uh, sort of a relationship with Tori, and then they have him mentor 
the new kid and all that kind of builds up to his big moment in the well his big fight also because i guess it's it's actually eli versus roby uh and then you know his big moment in the in the finale uh and same thing with eli you know he has his big crisis early in the season and then he kind of mopes about most episodes and then comes back strong at the end and uh it's fine. I mean, I think that uh, if you want to keep building on the universe, then you have to keep adding new characters. And uh, sometimes they stick around, sometimes they don't. Mm. I think that the the new additions this season, I like them. I, I liked uh, Kenny and I liked uh, the debate girl. Um, I don't know if we ever got her name. Uh, her last name is Lee. I only know this from the standings photo mm. of like who was in quarterfinals. Uh, oh, Devin. That's it. Devin Lee. Uh, yeah. She- uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we got enough of her. She's, that I she's make a new a character they didn't spend much time with, so we'll call her Pants. <laughs> but it, yeah, I don't have an opinion on her character one way or the other because she barely exists. Like she just shows up <laughs> to fill in the girl requirement for Eagle Fang so they can compete in the tournament, and then we moved on from her being an actual character. Yeah. But but Dan, and she rips a book she'll in half. be a character next time. No, no, she no. does she, math. She, she no, she rips a book in half during a debate. No, no, yeah. no. Uh, also, she didn't but, rip a book in half. No, no, but no. Not stop, like stop. the cool no, badass no, way no, she rips it no. through the spine. No, no. She didn't <laughs> rip a book in half. I need to. She ripped like four pages in the back cover. Okay, she didn't rip a fucking book in half. Let's stop with this. She's not OP. She can't solo Goku. She, you know, she just <laughs> ripped four fucking pages and a cover off a fucking book. Okay, that's it. I I think that she made an impression. I think that she had sure. enough attitude that that she she had more uh I think she made more of an impression than like most of the other kids in the dojo in either dojo. Like you know the the ones that have right now they're kind of coasting along. Um you know what's his name? Bert and uh Penis Breath and yeah. uh like all the the background characters are really not doing anything <laughs> right now. It's like you know we got determined. Uh, I really a didn't care. Whose name is Penis Breath? <laughs> yeah, but like Julio's right. Like th- those guys ultimately don't fucking matter. At just like at Miyagi Do, unless your name is Sam or Dimitri or Eli, you're you don't matter. Yeah, and which is uh, but that's what I mean. Like when this girl was fighting in, in the tournament, I'm like, all right, I'm invested. Uh, I think she fights Tori, right? And yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a cool fight. When uh, the other guys were fighting, I, I was like, I didn't care. Like, that was just like fodder for the montage. So it, it was. Uh, so I'll put her ahead of that. Now, uh, the other, the little kid, Kenny, he gets he gets a full introduction. I mean, he gets mm-hmm. a full episode devoted to his. He gets full backstory. arcs. And, yeah. We see his dad. And uh, how do you guys feel about the. Uh, I don't know the reimagining of uh, Anthony Larusso. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a real little shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense because like Sam's kind of the same way, but like she was less overt, I guess, about it until she started doing karate. But like whenever Anthony shows up, he is very much like I'm the shit. Because I, I stopped being fat and I hit a growth spurt. So hooray me. So now my dad with all of his like millions of dongs, I'm going to just like flaunt about everywhere and be super hmm. popular at school. And so then he takes it out on the kid who's fucking, you know, jamming out on his first day because, you know, 
that's something to make fun of somebody for constantly and forever is the fact that he danced at a bus stop that one time. <laughs> he was no, such a it's, nice it's not just that. It's because he uh, plays MMORPGs, which let's get into this. The amount of lore that they build up <laughs> for fucking Dungeon Lord, uh, a, a game that is effectively RuneScape. Yeah, uh, and it looks is. like shit. Uh, so RuneScape, but yeah, it's like supposed to be super popular or whatever. Uh, and the kid just agrees to go meet people that he's never met in a park, uh, <laughs> dressed as Doctor Scribblebottoms, uh, a chipmunk <laughs> uh, with a conical hat in a lab coat, uh, and rolls up there without his parents' uh, permission. Or dropping him off dressed in full like chipmunk costume. And then he was upset that people were laughing and saying they were going to beat his ass. And it's like, which, like, what planet has this kid been living on this whole time? That this is just like his fucking steez that he's going to roll up wearing squirrel, like a full on squirrel tail. And be like, oh boy, I hope no one fucks with me. <laughs> well, not only that, but like, we clearly see that his mom is too busy doing anything else. Like, I'm kind of waiting for the mom reveal because it feels like they're going to bring in like a notable actress of some kind in order yeah. to be his mom. Or they'll uh, just his never mom's reveal the too character. busy having an affair because the dad's yeah. in the military. Yep, yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, that's that's sad by and David. real. When Viola Davis would show up for a couple scenes. As oh my god, she's too mom. good. She'd win an, uh, a fucking Emmy just for showing <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, so, well, but what I'm saying is, when w- once we build up that conflict of uh, little LaRusso versus uh, Kenny, who are you rooting for? Kenny. You're rooting for Kenny. Yeah, you didn't Kenny. want uh, Anthony yeah. to get like some sort of redemption? You didn't think that he was going to no. Nah, I want him to get no. fucking punched in the head. A one season of redemption arc does not work. Especially when half the season he's been an asshole. Like you can't cram a redemption arc into the last five episodes of 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 a season. If he gets his redemption next season or the season afterwards, fine. But to say like, oh, after five episodes, I've totally grown and become a new person. Like, no, fuck that. Yeah. I, I think that the show wanted us to to buy him a little more as a, as a more sympathetic character. But yeah, I had trouble going with that either. I, I honestly thought even when he uh, seems to have turned a corner and starts taking the trash out and all that, I thought that he was just uh, doing what his parents wanted him to do. And instead he was, I honestly thought that maybe he was uh, working with, uh, with Kreese and silver <laughs> that somehow they got into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, That'd be so it, fucked. It so awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't go there. Yeah, that's that's the season six twist is that uh, fucking like the LaRusso kid is just like the mastermind behind everything. Oh, my God. He's the one that like made Johnny a pathetic loser so that he would have to keep (laughs) fighting with his dad. (laughs) He's been bankrolling uh, Terry Silver like he's the majority investor in Terry Silver's company. Yeah, it's because uh (laughs) You know, he's he's always on the computer and shit, and he's invested heavily in NFTs. 
<laughs> yeah, because because uh, Daniel g- gave him his credit card and he has it on his Apple Pay. Yeah, yeah. so technically, we only one that one time. Once Cobra Coin come out, <laughs> oh my God! Will I invest in Cobra Coin? Maybe we'll find out. Uh, it's a coin with a K. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Now I have to buy this. I mean, they basically have the the coin logo thing already. It's just the Cobra Kai logo. Just throw it on a coin. I'll buy it. I don't give a shit. Maybe uh, like buy some bucks. Yeah. Um, what do we think about the the Johnny Miguel storyline? I know we all have said it's our favorite, or at least Julia and I have said it's our favorite parts of the show. Uh, does it work again? Magic stri- strike. Uh, yeah. What's what's like the thrice version of four times? Like we know. Does anybody anybody have that word in their do a square? I I liked it a lot. I I feel like it could have used some more time, but I feel like they had a lot to cram in on this season. So, a lot of Terry Silver, a lot of Kenny. Uh, everybody else takes <laughs> back seats. I mean, it it was a it felt like the natural progression that I I'm glad that we didn't have to do one more season of uh, him kind of sneaking around Miguel to date his mom. And instead, we we kind of had to deal with that, and that was a big part of the relationship in this season. And I thought it it led to a couple of really good scenes. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the watermelon scene. I actually thought it was pretty pretty, pretty nice. effective. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the drunken bedtime scene was yes. probably the best scene this show has ever had ever. Yeah, it was really I mean, good. Like it at was, least from a dramatic. It was sense. this show's stupid piece of shit episode from BoJack. Yeah, like that, at least from a dramatic sense, because like uh, I think the fights in this in this season are fucking insane uh, and awesome. But uh, from a dramatic (laughs) sense, like the that that scene right there is everything you could want from this show. Don't think if uh, he had a. Yeah, I mean, the the last thing I'm just kind of avoiding the the last two episodes, Mm. but I, I think that there is a. I guess we'll talk about it when we get to spoilers. Yeah, but it's the, yeah. I, I was happy with what they what they did with them. I unlike the other, I think big characters that are young. I think that Miguel's story actually moved forward in a very uh, satisfying way. Like unlike Sam's mainly. Like you know, Sam is still kind of like Sam sucks. Sucks. Sam like, sucks so fucking much, man. I hate <laughs> her. I want her to lose. I want her to get to the finals every time only to experience heartbreak because she realizes she's just not good enough. And I just want her to fucking just be miserable for the rest of her fucking life. Um. I don't care what growth she goes through. I just want her to be fucking miserable. I think the joke's going to be on you uh, when season 10 of Cobra Kai is just Sam against the world. It's just Sam against all the bad guys. And you're going to have to root for her. Oh, well, Caleb, what was that movie we watched where, where it's the guy who fights 100 men? It's going to be Sam's going to fight 100 men and Mar- beat all Mar- of them. Kadard Naheen Kota. Yeah, that one. She's going to fight 100 men and win. And I'm just going to be fu- you're just going to see me fucking throwing shit around my house being like, fuck uh, this show. So the best storyline shit that ever happened with Sam was when Johnny started training her and she, you know, decided to start doing her own thing instead of doing mm-hmm. what her dad said. Uh, right. So I I will give a shit about Sam whenever she quits Miyagi Do and fully joins Eagle Fang. <laughs> well, but see, like coming full circle, actually, that I think that what why I want to like Sam is because I I, I recognize that she and Miguel, I guess, they have the best chance at being uh, 
I guess what we want when we watch the show, uh, people that master both styles and, you know, the, the they can represent the, uh, you know, what happens when you, you don't have to choose one or the other. You can make them your own and develop your own style. Yeah. And uh, uh, for reasons that, you know, have to do with the plot, like, yeah, Miguel and, and Robbie quite can also there, do that, but he sucks. Yeah, no, Robbie is uh, Robbie has bigger <laughs> things to worry about. But but Sam, because she's in such a privileged position, you know, she her character needs rehabilitation. I think in the eyes of the audience, and maybe I don't know. Maybe the three of us are in the minority, and maybe she's actually pretty well beloved by the majority of the audience. I don't know, but I, I think that we need to see her. She just feels so arrogant, uh, just so smug that I have a hard time rooting for her, even when she's doing things that I like. I think that I should be pretty thrilled when she, uh, you know, says, "I'm going to, I'm going to say Miyagi-Do, but I'm secretly going to train with Johnny." I should be like, "Fuck yeah, that's how you do it." But instead, go, I'm go like, "You, <laughs> yeah." But instead, I was just feeling like you're gonna fuck something up. You're like. <laughs> You're, you know, you're being a brat, and and you're gonna fuck something up. And uh, I don't think that that's what the show needed me to do at that point. I think the show wanted me to root for her. So, um, if they can figure out a way to make her uh, come across as less of a bratty, whiny teenager in season five, and actually become that bridge between Miyagi Do and Eagle Fang, that that's, uh, I think that should be like one of their priorities. Well, I mean, considering what happens to her at the end of the season, it seems like she is either broken entirely or will be driven to actually not be the worst fucking human being on planet Earth. <laughs> but that's interesting. So that's that's cool. I, I I like where the season leaves her. And and I liked where the season left her at the end of season two, because they were both very vulnerable, you know, circumstances and how she would rebuild herself from that was was worth watching. And I think that season three has her go through something, you know, cause she has a post-traumatic, uh, you know, yeah. she, she was attacked and she felt like she was always under a threat. And, but that was not to be found here, even though they tried to paint it as she's a victim at some points, like Tori comes across as more of a victim than she is. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, started I mean, trashing on Sam. We're uh, back to trashing. Yeah, I mean, we're all. It, this is the trash. This is actually now it's uh, slander Sam and Stingray <laughs> podcast. Uh, Stingray and uh, okay, let me put the arrow in here and Sam. So, I guess we could talk about Daniel, uh, who actually might be my least favorite character. Period. In the show, like I know Sam is like trying, but Daniel never seems to try. It's it's the same shit with him. It's my way is the right way. Everyone else's way is the wrong way. I think Terry Silver's a crazy man. To the point where at the end of the season, like despite, you know, the fact that there's more nuance to it, but like Daniel's explicitly choosing not to do the thing that he promised he would do so that he can continue <laughs> trying to destroy Kreese. <laughs> Because there's no honor in those men, so why have honor with those men? It's like what the f- fuck off. Like I, I'm supposed yeah. to cheer. And I it's guess like, I'm supposed hey, to cheer for him. Here's my friend from Okinawa who's going to come help me kill this uh, Silver Star recipient who is 70 years old, uh, a hero to this country, uh, who bullied me when I was a kid, <laughs> and therefore <laughs> must be killed. Okay, but see, that is actually. <laughs> I'm all 
in for, that's what I wish they'd done more of the season, which was Daniel walking the the dark path, right? Him learning right. from Johnny how to break the rules, how to think well, outside the box. Uh, it doesn't really happen very often. He doesn't but- need to learn that from Johnny. That's been Daniel throughout the entire franchise. He was the aggressor more often than not in the first movie. Uh, he gained, you know, unbeatable karate prowess from the demon sorcerer Miyagi uh, to beat up, you know, the kids who should have won. At every turn, Daniel fucks with everybody because he thinks he's above everybody. But shouldn't he learn that that he's not, though? And the way no, for him to sh- learn he should is- be summarily executed with a fucking <laughs> dragon spin kick to end his reign of terror. <laughs> Won't somebody think of the children? No. That's all this show thinks about, the children. That's why they're doing <laughs> what they're doing, Caleb. Um, no, I wish that there was an acknowledgement from Daniel that he is breaking the rules. I think that, and I thought that that's what this was gonna never gonna happen. Build toward, but but it, you know him saying like, all right, I think that sometimes playing dirty, uh, is necessary. You know, and and I thought that that's maybe you know season five can surprise me, and it's him acknowledging that he is he's not necessarily being uh, doing the honorable thing by bringing you know by doing what he's doing. Uh, to continue the show but uh that uh, the episode where they go uh to the hockey match and uh you know basically johnny oh, it's le- great uh, yeah. yeah johnny learns no be there and uh <laughs> and daniel learns to uh, yeah, and daniel learns to strike first yeah it, that's that's good and i i think that if if we saw more of that and uh, the- and all and all the hockey players are like uh Oh, what your your boyfriend not here to stand up for you? And uh, <laughs> Daniel should let rightly reply like, "Hey, you know, hockey players who have a surprisingly high number of teeth, uh, you guys are on the wrong <laughs> side of history. You should, uh, you know, go think about your lives." All I want to say is uh, this put hockey players in a bad spot because uh, now <laughs> hockey, hockey players now look like they're fucking bigoted, and uh, no, not true. Yeah. Well, now, uh, you know, there's going to be a karate dojo versus hockey team fights. So oh, I'd love that. That'd be great. Uh, continue, Julio. <laughs> uh, no, I, but ultimately, I agree with both of you. I mean, this is the season. I think there's the first season where I haven't really been on uh, Daniel's side, where he's just gotting on my nerves constantly um, before. uh I could see him working through his own shit and arriving at some sort of, uh, you know, at a more illuminated stage, I guess, of his life. And this this season, it didn't feel like that until the very end, maybe. But uh, he he seemed to be more resistant. And actually, you know, to put it like the way that we're talking about Sam, he also seems pretty smug. And I think that the smugness has always been part of the character. But mm-hmm. this season, it just felt like, my God, haven't you learned anything? We've been at this for three seasons already. And you, know, right. you could just tone it down. You want him to learn something from everything he's been through. Like he lost like his student lost the fucking all valley championship in season one. 
And it's like that never fucking happened. And he was like, ah, I won the whole fucking time because I won the moral victory, guys. I'm Mr. Miyagi student. I'm the, para- the paragon of virtue. And then he just lords it over everybody for fucking four seasons. And has been like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe <laughs> my way is the best. And then it's finally like, huh, maybe it's not the best. Who the fuck knows? Because like what it's like the, the fight. Oh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. But uh, it will talk about the last two episodes. Cause, like, the, la- the last two episodes, like the whole season builds towards the last two episodes because it is ultimately all Valley. Uh, and it also features the, my least favorite moment in this show ever. But we'll oh. talk about that. Uh, but like when when is it, it gets a musical to, number, Dan, it is a musical number because uh, <laughs> I hate that woman and everything she represents. Uh, the Nashville Predators mainly being the, the thing that she represents. But like we saw like the very end of the episode where uh, of the episode before where Daniel like yells at his son or like two episodes before he yells at his son. He goes quiet like Johnny does. And like Johnny exhibits some Daniel like behavior. It's like you're seeing it, but like what? you're not sure if they're going to fucking commit to it because they've been teasing this kind of thing for Daniel to do every fucking season. And he doesn't do it because he he's just so fucking stubborn. Until, you know, he finally realizes, oh, Mr. Miyagi told me to grow up however I need to grow up. I, I forgot about that, everybody. I guess I'll just do the thing now that we've all been wanting me to do <laughs> well, for fucking seasons. It's like every every time Daniel fails at something, it's like, oh, I totally forgot like this core lesson that uh, my father figure instilled in me until just now when it's convenient for me to know it. Uh, that is pretty genius, though, that they had a clip that was literally what they needed. I mean, obviously, I know they they work backwards, right? They had that clip and then they built the season around it. But it was still it caught me by surprise. Uh, I was not expecting a clip from the third movie to be the the little wisdom pill on season four. That was right. I think every time they write themselves into a corner with this show, they'll just stop and rewatch all three movies again and be like, <laughs> Uh, please save us, Pat Morita, with your excellent wisdom. Right. Like, I feel like they just have them on constantly throughout the show or like throughout, like in the writer's room. They're just like they just have them on in the background, like not even no no sound on. They're just watching it and they're like, what's this part say? Yeah. And then you watch and it's like Pat Morita's on the screen mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, Pat Morita's about to say something wise, guys. Everybody shut the fuck up for a second. And then they like <laughs> unmute the TV. Yeah. He's about to say some dope shit like no be there. He helps you out with all this stuff and you can't even help him with his English. <laughs> uh, anything else non-spoiler wise? I, I would just say uh, just along general lines, I think that uh, I enjoy that uh, Daniel's wife and I feel bad because I don't know her name. Amanda. She's one of the, Amanda. Amanda LaRusso continues to be, to be the voice of reason. Yeah, it, it should be ridiculous uh, in a except, show that's this Except empty. when she gets a teenager fired for yelling at her at her job. But eh. she, unlike Daniel, she doesn't go like, well, fuck it. I'm right. And she's wrong. She actually grows from that. She thing feels remorse. Yeah. yeah and she, for her actions. She tries to fix it. She fucks up more. And then she tries to fix it again. She eventually gets it right. So that was uh, that was good. And she never, you know, she's she's the, the one character that doesn't seem to belong in that universe. And somehow she doesn't. Um, she doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. 
Like, yeah, like it, yeah. it's a heightened universe where, you know, kids can have karate fights and only one of them goes off to juvenile prison because he kicked the kid <laughs> off off the second story into a fucking railing. Another girl fucking gets uh, fucking her arm sliced up and like a bunch of other kids are kicked through glass and shit. Doesn't fucking matter. They're all fine. <laughs> they all go back to school the next day. You know, she exists. She she is an actual like human being. She shows introspection, remorse caring for other people like yes she realizes that tori fucked up her entire house but also sees like there's this vulnerable teenage girl behind that facade that she puts up and understands that she needs help and anytime anyone berates tori for being a fucking piece of shit i just went but you don't understand tori's situation rich girl who has had everything <laughs> handed to her except for the fat including some fucking scars in her arm like, you don't understand everything this this poor girl has been through and now feels accepted in, in a location that you have now tried to take from her because you're a fucking awful human being. Hashtag I stand Tori. Amanda. I stand Tori. Also, Amanda. <laughs> Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could just Son play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. All right, so spoilers. We have the we have the whole karate tournament. All right, now who actually watched the fucking skills competition? <laughs> I mean, did anybody was... actually watch this? I was lying on the couch. Neat. I don't know. I wasn't going to move. Uh, I I was making dinner at the time. Uh, the crock pot had just gone to warm. I had to shred some chicken, let the chicken, you know, the shredded chicken go back in the soup. And then uh, as the skills competition was going on, I served myself some fucking soup because I did not give a fuck. I just wanted to watch people beat the shit out of each other with some kicks and shit. That's it. That's all I wanted. I couldn't even tell you what you missed. I don't know why they decided to write in the skills competition. I guess just for them to have a way for Cobra Kai to be ahead by the time they got to the fights. That's correct. Yeah. Because like you always knew that like the finals were going to be all Cobra Kai, Eagle Fang, Miyagi-Do people. Right. But like, it's interesting. I like that aspect of martial arts. It's not what I come to the show for. Yes. Uh, it's just a bunch of people jumping around and screaming "ites" and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying in vain to hold on to their weapons and not throw them at the judge's table. <laughs> <laughs> fucking penis breath with his fucking <laughs> pole. Uh, idiot. Whoever the fuck is Taylor Buchanan's personal trainer for this show, give him a yeah. raise. Well, also the guy for fucking Hawk, too, because I mean, both of those kids yeah. are fucking ripped out of their minds. Yeah, honestly, like. They picked like a skinny, nerdy guy to play Hawk. So like he doesn't have the genetics for like the muscle mass or whatever, but like both of them are just ridiculously toned to the point where like they had to script out their confrontation so that like Taylor Buchanan's shirt, his gi would start coming open so that in the final round, like he can just rip it off and go, go shirts and skins and Hawks just like, fuck it. You know, I'll take my shirt off. We'll be muscle boys and punch at each other. 
Yeah. My tattoo will uh will squawk. Yeah. I've I've gained immense power from my tattoo. I mean, even while I was like going through like the skills competition, like barely watching it, like you could hear like the samurai sword shink and like all that stuff. Like the Foley artist for that episode was having a lot of fun. Yeah. So good for them. Uh, then there was a musical number by Carrie Underwood, which was supposed to be like the eighties montage moment where everyone gets through the qualifiers. Uh, I wanted to fucking die. Like I saw Carrie Underwood yeah. get on screen. I knew she was there and I, I figured this is what her role would be. I didn't think it was going to be as long as it was. Cause it was about like fucking four minutes. Like Gerald, you want to complain about the length of anything? Like not, not movies over two hours, please. Carrie Underwood being on screen for any time longer than 30 fucking seconds or the time it, it takes to sing the national anthem. Like, come on. <laughs> so, yeah, why, 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 why is she here? Who who did she owe a favor to? That was my question. It's like, why is uh, I, I know next to nothing about Carrie Underwood, but uh, her husband is Mike Fisher, who is a former Nashville Predator. Uh, the Predators played the Penguins in the 2016-2017 Stanley I Cup th- final. I, I thought you meant something different. No, you not do. sexual predator. There's, they're a hockey team. <laughs> Your outrage seems a little... Uh... No, no. <laughs> they, they had this very ridiculously contrived uh, like chant they would do after the opposing goalie let in a fucking goal at the end, like at, at their home arena. And it was just like, holy fuck, everyone in this arena just sleeps with their cousin, don't they? Like, I, I, fucking, I fucking hated every game that was played in Nashville because it was the most obnoxious, obnoxious experience of my life. And when they lost on their home ice to lose the Stanley Cup, I was so fucking thrilled because fuck Nashville. I fucking hate you. If you're from Nashville and you're a Predators fan, uh, please never speak again. You know nothing. Philip Forsberg is dog shit. Thank you. This has been my TED Talk against the Nashville Predators. <laughs> well, you know what? They, I, I don't know if it's uh, like with the Oscars where, uh, you know, you have the qualifier for best original song. Uh Oh In no, case, please please don't do this to me. Please. Was this song written and performed specifically for Cobra Kai? I I barely listened to it, but I'm going to guess probably it's an original song cuz it's, it's definitely supposed to evoke the 80s montage shit that you think of like you you listen to the lyrics and it's like they're complete nonsense, but the, like they're supposed like the hmm. mu- the backing music is like there to hype you up a bit. Supposed to be oh, the right. new. Is there, uh, a, the best is there a soundtrack section on IMDb? I can look it up. Uh, that's possible. It should be like around the trivia section, is my guess. But okay, so we get the Carrie Underwood music music thing. Uh, Cobra Kai is winning after the skills competition. Cobra Kai has like nine thousand students in the top eight. <laughs> so like, shouldn't they basically like automatically win based off of just that? Like, no. fucking Eagle Fang has two. Fucking Miyagi-Do has three. Uh, Random schools have like one because they don't fucking matter and don't have plot armor. (laughs) Which, can we talk about Miguel's fucking plot armor that they have in this show for him? What do you mean? Well, because he, they mentioned it before, like as of his fight, like he was about to fight fucking Hawk and Dimitri goes, well, Miguel's never lost. So the only way you have Miguel lose is by him getting hurt and then never showing it's, back it's up. no be there. Right, no be there. <laughs> so, like, he's protected because, like, technically, that's a loss. But also, like, it's not a loss because nobody actually beat him. So, like, he's yeah. still oh, protected. I mean, I, I, well, I I mean Robbie, Robbie beat him. 
uh, off of a balcony <laughs> into a railing. <laughs> That's true. But like in a sanctioned fight, like we haven't seen Miguel lose other than, you know, getting fucking cheap shotted in if, depending on your perspective. Uh, so like, what are they saving him for is my but, question. But I think that they they do that to all characters. I mean, I think they always give him an out so you can always say, OK, but they, they lost. But like even Robbie, when he loses in against uh, Eli, he has that moment where he has Eli and then he looks up and he sees uh, Kenny and that's enough to throw him off. And now you can sure. say, oh, well, you know, he had he pulled back at the last minute because of that kid. And so technically, Eli didn't beat Robbie. You know, it's still up in the air. And I think that they do that throughout the show. I mean, fuck, they do it to uh, Johnny and Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> halfway through the season. I, think, that, I don't think it's because was Miguel. fucking sick. All these <laughs> fights are they've sick, been, man. They've been pulling the Daniel shouldn't have won the 85 or whatever fight. With the crane kick, like that—that's like the premise of the show. Yeah, is them debating over that that win. Holy, I would love for Alex to watch the show. I, I, and I only say this because like he's a wrestling fan, so he would understand where I'm coming from in this. But like, it's it's such fifty fifty booking with the show, and this uh-huh. happens all the time in WWE, where it's like, it's like you said, yeah, they won, but like. Uh, it would be a lot of like, hey, the heel won, but also they fucking low blowed the the face and they fucking hit him over the head with a steel chair and they fucking shot him with a gun. Like, <laughs> so of, co- of, of fucking course the face lost because of all that shit. And then like, you'll randomly get somebody who, who like comes back from like, you know, fucking John Cena gets like his head chopped off and he, he'll fucking like murder like 40,000 men to win to win his match. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> or like, but like. Or like, you know, the Undertaker will get shot nine times in the chest and then he sits up like this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, the Undertaker was actually buried alive at one point and then he became the dead man again yeah. after being Biker Taker. And yeah, then he true. resumed his Undertaker gimmick. Uh, wrestling is stupid <laughs> and I love it. And it reminds me a lot of this show. But yeah, like the tournament is a lot of like 50-50 booking shit. Like, hey, uh, like the, the Robbie Kenny fight. I go, okay. Kenny loses because Robbie's like, hi, I want to fucking win. And uh, this kid, like, I am just so much better than him. Like, he's barely like he's been training for what, like three months, maybe something like that. Of course, he's going to beat that kid. Like this. This guy's been trained by fucking four karate masters in the span of like a year. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This guy (laughs) should fucking kick the shit out of everybody. But we're going to let Kenny land a punch at least. Get the first and then Crease is like, stop playing with your food. Let's fucking go. Like, I'll pick it up. <laughs> uh, I felt that. I mean, you were not kidding. Like, the, the fights are pretty amazing in oh this god. season. And oh the, my god, the Robbie Hawk fight was—it's so good. It was so good. The only thing was that we knew that Eli was going to win because if he had lost, then there wasn't another then, match. Then like, there's it, no stakes. Yeah, for there's the next no tension. One. Yeah, right. 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 So so I knew that he was going to win. That's the only thing that kind of turned it down a little bit. But man, they went at it. And the, the fact that they went to a sudden sudden death. Right. Yeah. They, they yeah, really did death. kind of telegraph how things were going to go, because like. Whichever whichever fight was first and second, like you kind of knew the results ahead of time. But which sounds like wrestling. So, again, <laughs> Alex needs to watch the show. Julio is my point. 
<laughs> I mean, I know I've mentioned it before, and now I'll I'll add your endorsement. I'll be like, hey, Dan says I, it's just like wrestling. I just want him to watch. Like, if he watches nothing else, he should just watch seasons one and four, and just watch the tournaments, and just be like, all right. Like a Stranger Things, where you just watch the first episode of every season. Like he just watches like the first episode of each season, and then the tournament section of seasons one and four, and then he'd be like, "Look at this fucking fifty-fifty booking." <laughs> Did Vince McMahon write this shit? Uh, so yeah, uh, Miguel hurts himself, uh, doesn't come back for the fight against Hawk, uh, and that fight was looking pretty good before you know shit went down. So. A bit sad, but I guess we're waiting on that one. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Miguel hurts himself doing the fucking uh, Ryu tornado Street kick. Fighter tornado <laughs> uh, fucking Tetsumaki Senpukiaku kick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you, guys, did you guys think that he had fucked himself up a lot yes. more? Yes, because that's how they end. They literally end the ninth episode with that. And I went, oh, fuck. And then the next episode is like, you just pulled a muscle. And I'm like, fuck you, show. Absolutely go <laughs> well, fuck it, yourself. It opens at the hospital. That's the worst part. Episode yeah, 10 like, opens oh, at the hospital. Oh, my God. But you're looking at brain scans. And you're like, why are we looking at head scans? And then it's like, oh, it's Stingray, who's hopefully suffered severe brain damage <laughs> and can never move again and show up on my screen. Yeah. That was a solid ending, too, when uh, the episode that ends with Silver beating the shit out of Stingray. Mm. That made it all worth it. Yeah, yeah. I love seeing I was, a punching. I was kind of hoping that Silver would pick up one of the fucking free weights and do like the fucking <laughs> Punisher, where he just fucking splits his head open with a fucking two and a half pound weight that he's using as a brass knuckle. Just kill Stingray and get him out of the show, please. Oh, that'd be so <laughs> Make fantastic! Him get hit by a bus, or like a wrecking ball, or like follow into a tiger pit, or yeah. like. Uh, put like a baked potato wrapped in tinfoil in the microwave and it explodes and uh, destroys his house. Uh, I'd actually actually rather that, um, you know, he gets put in a holding cell in Gotham City Police Department and he's like, please, mister, my insides hurt. And then they, <laughs> they, they, they then they see a fucking phone ring in his stomach and he blows up. <laughs> uh, well, we are in Singray just to get him out of this. uh there's no way. Well, no, I, this show doesn't take place in reality, but still, I, I was thinking it's just his word, right? There's no actual proof that that Kreese is the one that beat him up. Right. So, well, there's the security him? camera that Silver has. So I'm sure Silver like deletes the footage and therefore it's just Paul Walter Hauser's word for it. Right. But that's not enough to get you convicted. Like, uh... <laughs> He's a white old man in America. uh, I don't know. It is is in this universe. Yeah. I mean, this universe, uh, the the cops and the the system of justice are as effective as you want them to be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Much like the real world, the guy with money is going to be the one who gets justice. Yeah. All right. So Miguel goes down uh, with the girls final. It's I think it's pretty fucking clear that this was all it was always going to be Sam versus Tori. They're the, the the two girl characters that are mm-hmm. on the show the longest. They're the ones who have the rivalry. Like, yes, we have Piper show up. Yes, we have Devin Lee show up. But like that, uh, she always felt like a requirement hire uh, and not like one of those like this is this person's actually fucking matters yeah. to the plot. It, it, it's it's always Sam versus Tori 
Uh, it was just like, what school does Sam say she's studying for? And it turns out fucking Miyagi Fang is the school. Uh, that's the one moment that I like Sam in this season, uh, which is her fight, when her fight is it. That's it. Well, her fight and right before the fight, when she hugs Daniel, because and I was like, man, I wish that they had built a solid, a more solid path to this moment, because to have her have been such a brat, keep calling her brat, that's the truth, and she then is. be just vulnerable and just hug her daddy because he finally understood where she was coming from. Right. I was like, okay, I, I, I get it, you know. Uh, Miguel gets a moment, a similar moment, uh, when he's talking to uh, Johnny uh, the, during the watermelon scene, and he actually breaks down, and uh, he uh, he tells him that he doesn't want things to change. He still wants him to be a sensei, and I thought that that was a moment where he was very vulnerable, and mm. uh, he doesn't quite call him dad there, but it's clear that what he's saying is, you know, he right. doesn't want their and, and then of course, relationship like, to change. Later in that episode or the, the next episode, Johnny's like, I want to be a dad to you. And he's like, I'd like that. <laughs> and it's like, Robbie, come back. I'm like, oh, God. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the, the Sam Daniel relationship has been one of the through lines in the in the show. And uh, he's always been trying to. I guess, you know, make her his, his second in command. And I think that that relationship soured over the last couple of seasons. And then suddenly to see it come back with uh, just her dropping the, all the, the, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm just an independent, angry teenager. And suddenly it's just like, okay, I'm just going to hug my dad. <laughs> Cause right. We're in this Cause, together. Cause all she wants is for someone to fucking listen to her. Like that was like, I, I understand like where she was coming from, at least with like Tori shit, like her mom being like, yeah, Tori's allowed back at school. You know, uh, you know, she's fine. Like, just stay the fuck away from her, blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and Sam's just like, well, what about my fucking opinion in this shit? Like, I'm the one who actually got attacked by this bitch. Like, why, why do I have to just listen to whatever you guys say? And like, that was kind of like the payoff for that kind of moment. I don't think it, it doesn't hit that hard for me again, because it's Sam. But like, I, I understand what they were trying to do at least. Her, you know, back to your 50-50 booking or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like, she loses, but she loses because she was injured. Uh, well, in- she was injured and also the ref was fucking paid off by Terry <laughs> fucking true. Silver, which, like, <laughs> as soon as Tori comes back to the corner and Terry Silver says, well, the ref's not going to end this match on a technicality, on a technicality I'm like, uh, he paid the ref. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't it. get it until the very I, end. I knew it. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, like you, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do when you're Cobra Kai, I guess is, you know, pay fucking referees, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, now, did you guys buy creases? Uh, I, I don't know. Would you even call it a what face turn? What was that? I don't understand what that was. I don't he know. Loves this, Johnny. Uh, this season does go like quite a ways toward trying to humanize crease. And, uh, I think, you know, for the most part, I, I like what they're doing with him. He's still a, a bastard, but like, yeah, I think I think he's even realizing that, like, the monster that he's unleashed in Terry Silver is more than like. Like, that's farther than what he wanted to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> like he he very much <laughs> believes in his cause of like, you know, destroying every other, you know, dojo and stuff. But like. In in his own like sick twisted way, he does care about his students. 
But I think yeah. this is the first time we've seen him even come close to acknowledging that he shouldn't have done what he did to Johnny back in the yeah. in the first movie, which I was mm-hmm. not expecting. That was right. I bought it. But... Well, like it, it's the '80s. It was a different time. You know, <laughs> everybody was on cocaine. Everybody was drunk yeah, all the time. Terry Silver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like it's he's like the opposite of Daniel, where everything Daniel does, like he thinks he's doing it for the good of everything. And like you can see where like the good he's trying to come from with Kreese. It was like, yeah, he thinks he's doing good, but that's just his warped view of the world. But he's clearly doing bad. But then like he has those quick moments of introspection where he's like, oh, my God. Maybe I am a monster. And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, like, cool. What a what an interesting way to take this fucking character. And then Terry Silver has the man fucking arrested. Crease's view of like morality and what is good is like very much uh, like a utilitarian thing. Like you can do anything as long as you're the one that wins because might makes right and winners right history. So yeah. do you guys think that we were building up to a, a silver crease fight in the finale? Uh, I think we're building up to, I don't know. I think it's going to be like Johnny, Daniel, and Chosen. And they're just going to fucking show up at Silver's fucking beachside condo and just pummel an old man to death with bamboo canes. <laughs> Now, I want to see um I want to see Johnny versus Silver again obviously. I want to see Daniel versus Silver cuz I've never seen 3. I don't know if Daniel ever fights Silver, like actually fights Silver. So like I I I think, I think Mr. Miyagi that would does. be a nice yeah. That'd be a nice payoff is seeing Danny fight uh Daniel fight fucking uh Silver for like all the psychological torture that he got put through. I I think that would help put that to bed. I think that's end game for Silver, honestly, is, you know, Crease will eventually come back and then, you know, Daniel will fight Silver and then Silver will go away forever or something. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like uh, to keep referencing Julio's shirt, uh, Johnny is going to be the uh, the Vegeta in this scenario. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Daniel will be the Goku, in at least in the Silver Saga, uh, which is also a Dragon Ball Z reference. Everybody's welcome for all these Dragon Ball Z facts. <laughs> I mean that would make sense because Silver doesn't really have a history with uh with Johnny. Right. Although I agree with Caleb, I want a rematch since uh you know, we got a very brief confrontation uh, this season and and Johnny got uh blindsided. So Man. it wasn't really fair. 50-50 booking. Yep, yep, exactly. I uh, just I just want more adult karate. I want more adults fighting karate kind of shit cuz like we get a lot of the kids and I get it. Like they're kids. They're, they're younger. The, the, the karate can be faster or uh, in this case, slower with uh, copious amounts of slow-mo. But like, I would love to see another like <laughs> Daniel Johnny garage fight kind of scenario or like another Daniel versus Johnny, you know, uh, Okinawa floorboard, whatever the fuck that thing was called fight. Like I want to see more of that kind of stuff between like Daniel silver Whoever Silver recruits Johnny, you know, I'd, I'd love to see more of that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I don't know if we're going to get that because, like, we're talking about men approaching geriatric age. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, wouldn't that be awesome if that final shot of the season, 
he's you know he's talking you think he's talking to mr miyagi's gravestone and then the camera pulls back and it's like oh no he's talking to someone if that had been hillary swank instead of chosen i would love that yeah hillary swank is coming i promise she better like and then you know she breaks her back and then clint eastwood shows up (laughs) 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 or or whatever million dollar baby is i don't know that movie seems too fucking sad for me to even try to watch it uh it is yeah. I, I, w- I would like to keep my streak of not crying uh, about a movie uh, as an adult f- going for as long as I possibly can. So th- nobody suggests that movie, please. Thank you. Say it on Netflix. I <laughs> I don't know. It might be. It, it it has been before. Let's find out. Is Million Dollar Baby on Netflix? We can just, you know, not watch it. No, <laughs> no, we have to. We have to do that. You have to honor your commitment. Uh, no. So here's all. When I look up million, uh, we got million dollar beach house, million pound menu, and then million yen women. So any of those, <laughs> any, any of those, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, champions are Tori and Eli. I wish Eli got a bit more story in this season because it feels like he was just, you know, there, got his head shaved, big moment, uh, down, biggest down point for the character before, like, like before joining, like since joining joining karate, because like before joining karate, you know, Kyler being an asshole, blah blah blah, like him beating Kyler, cool, I was happy yep. about that. Uh, that was. Uh, a necessary point uh, to show that Kyler's a, I fucking hate Kyler. He's such a douchebag, but he's supposed to be like, he's a, he's a cartoon douchebag. We all hate no Kyler. No 50, 50 bookie there. No, I fuck mean, Kyler. No, you fucking, in a row. <laughs> fucking smash that dude. Who gives a fuck? Uh, but like, I wish I got more. I, I don't feel like that paid off well enough, uh, mainly because like there just wasn't enough time devoted to it. It felt like it was more Kenny silver, you know, the, the regular main character crew. And then Eli's just like, I got like maybe 30 minutes of development for you in this fucking uh, 10, what, five, six hour show. Okay, whatever, fine. Yeah, he got a couple of good moments, though. So I think that that's why I I didn't mind it so much. Uh, You know, they give him the, the, the initiative. He's the one that comes up with the idea of building the the Okinawa platform or whatever. Right. So he gets a big right. moment and, you know, he gets his head shaved. Uh, he gets his, his, he's not quite back together with Moon, but they kind of, they're rebuilding that. Uh, oh, we get to dude. see a really dorky video with, uh, with she's Dimitri. Spe- she's spending some nights with the champ. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat <laughs> it here. She's, she's going to go to town on this man. Gotta make his hair grow back. Oh my god! Yeah, the testosterone is just gonna flow through his fucking body. His hair, <laughs> his hair is gonna regrow faster than you've ever seen any hair grow. Yeah, but I like. I think that also. I just ultimately like what the show decided to do with him and give him this thing of like, all right, the Mohawk was useful initially, but now you're at the point where you don't need it, and mm-hmm. you know they take it away, and he he still finds a way to prevail. So that was that was pretty cool, right? I don't know. I hope the Mohawk grows back. I do too. Uh, maybe not as exaggerated, but like I wouldn't mind, you know, a, a, a Mohawk of some kind. Uh, also, his line when Daniel's like, "Are you ready for this?" is like, "I'm yeah, I'm like I'm the I'm the guy who's gonna." Uh, he's like, "I finally know who I am now. I'm the guy who's gonna fucking win this thing." And I'm like, 
Yes. <laughs> there were two F bombs in this series in, in this show. One was Johnny telling the waiter or, or like the bartender to go fuck off, and that was the other one. I didn't expect this one because I thought they had already used up their one F bomb for the series, uh-huh. but there it was again. I, I'm just I'm just so happy they put that in there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I have one final like spoilerish thing. Sure. And it's like, do you guys think that Miguel's trip to Mexico is the show writing him off temporarily so that he can shoot Blue Beetle? Is that what's happening? Oh, that's what that is? Oh, that's what I thought. Oh, I didn't know he's Blue Beetle. Yeah, he's blue right? Oh. Am I right? I'm pretty uh, sure. Ah, that- that's a good question. He might be, uh, cause I'm racist and he's Latino, so he's probably Blue Beetle. <laughs> Jolo Maraduena. There you go. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, But yeah, so yeah, he's Blue Beetle. So that's probably it. Is like, yeah. Because like uh, Paul Walter Hauser, I think you, I feel like he was written out of season three because they were shooting Cruella at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's my take. So, yeah, you're probably right, Julio. Good call. Good for him getting Blue Beetle. Good. For, I'm proud of him. Good for him. Not so good for the show, because I yeah. I don't look forward to season five that has less Miguel than what we've been getting. Right. Because also, like, Johnny and Robbie leave off in a weird spot, too, because, like, Robbie comes back and he, he comes by, sees his dad. He's like, I'm tired of blaming you for everything. So I don't know if that means like there's going to be a reconciliation between them or something, or if it's just like a breakoff point where Robbie's like, look, I'm tired of blaming you for all my shit, but also like, I don't need you in my life or Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, I'm interested to see where that develops. But, you know, I look at that and I just go, "Uh, interesting spot to leave Robbie. And then also say that Johnny's going to go find his surrogate son in Mexico city. Because his mom asked him to. I mean, he volunteered. Nah. August 18th, 2023. Huh. My God, that is a year and a half away. I know. Well, this is... Thanks, Marvel. This is your fault. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even kidding. This is actually Marvel's fault for announcing like movies like years ahead of time. And then DC was like, well, we can do that too. And then... Here we are. So thanks, comic books. That's right. I take no responsibility. I just watch them. All right. Uh, anything else anyone wants to say about the show before we uh, wrap up here? Any final thoughts uh, and hopes for season five? No, it's been an hour and a half. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> uh, I'll just close by saying that even more than uh, Hillary Swank, what I want is uh Jackie Chan and or Jaden Smith. I just make it happen. Oh my god. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Will yep. Smith is listed as an executive producer on this show. Yes. That is correct. He he's been the whole time. 
It's happening. <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. Conspiracy theory. This is happening. Everything that Will Smith does is to force Jaden into <laughs> to further his career. That's that's true. See, Contrarian's episode after Earth. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's my wish list for season five. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see where we go because we leave a lot of dangling threads for a lot of characters. Uh, and it has me very interested to see where everyone goes. Maybe Jolo doesn't come back for season five. That would be interesting. And maybe we get more, you know, Johnny and Robbie. And I'll be okay with that because then, you know, Robbie will take his rightful place uh, next to his his, his father. And then <laughs> they, master they just the leave, Eagle Fang Karate. They just leave Miguel lost in Mexico for the entire season. <laughs> eh, He'll get hey, one he's... episode. He'll get oh, one yeah, episode. Of course. Where, where he just officially write his character off. He's going to stay, hang out with his dad. That's it. Yeah, that's like, that's another insane leap of logic with this show. That's like, uh, so this, this kid without a parent or a passport is able to, to cross the border into Mexico. And then without a parent or a passport, what's his plan on getting back? Because he's clearly Hispanic. That that's how they get him written off. Is that he's going to get uh, held by ICE and some? It's cages. like, and now now you're fucking. You get fucking depersoned. The fucking yeah, uh, <laughs> not good. The, the the cartel gets him. Yeah, not good. And he has, he has to karate fight his way out of a Mexican oh cartel fucking prison. Just make it Sicario, but with karate fighting instead. <laughs> I'd be I'd be so down for that shit. Miss Miguel has to stay on the show so that Miguel's grandma can stay on the show because she's the best. Oh, she's going to. I mean, they're going to keep. Well, don't forget that Johnny also has the tendril of being Carmen's boyfriend. So we're right. going to have that relationship and how uh, Miguel's absence affects that. When does fucking Yaya start doing karate? <laughs> fuck, fuck we we want to talk about geriatrics doing karate dear god <laughs> all right uh julio thank you for coming on the show and talking with us for almost two hours about this fucking dumb stupid show i'm i repeat 30 minutes of that it's just your fighting stories i might cut that and put that in a bonus thing for patrons only because uh, <laughs> this needs it <laughs> All right. Well, no, thank you for having me, guys. It's, that was a lot of fun as usual. I'm glad that I have someone to talk about this show <laughs> because I don't know anybody else that watches it in in real life, not not online life. So it's good to see that there's, uh, you know, you two are as passionate about it as I am, maybe even more so. I got to watch all these fucking movies, man. I got to watch all these movies so I can understand, like, all the dumb stuff that, that's, that's happening. I got to see, you know mustache twirling terry silver just fucking psychologically torturing a 14 year old boy or however old daniel is <laughs> yeah, it's great <laughs> it is it is really good uh are you are you guys i don't remember like do you uh rate the seasons i mean we can if you want to i don't really I care really think about it. i just know that i have this one at the bottom i might like all four but i i think like i have one and two tied at the top then three then four. Oh, one one is by far the best season yeah, but two has that that big fight 
in the two does have the big fight three but also two has stingray like a, a lot of stingray that's true <laughs> so i mean that that hurts that's like um that's like season three of jessica jones where it's like it has a lot of good jessica jones stuff but stuff but it also has trish <laughs> well i give it three and a half fists out of five yeah i also yeah <laughs> The the karate tournament did a lot to like help what I felt about the series because like if you ask me halfway through, like I even said it in the the two piece chat, I said I am halfway through and I have thoughts and my thoughts was oh my god Daniel needs to sh- like die I, I I don't care who kills him <laughs> just someone murdered this man and I never want to see him a fucking again. Uh, yeah, I agree. I I'm gonna yeah I'm three and a half as well. That's uh. It seems fair. The the really good stuff kind of outweighs the uh, the bad stuff, but it's not yeah. enough to where it gives it a higher score. Yeah, and that's always been my experience with this show is that like when it's good, it's really good, and it can like easily make you forget about the stupid parts. Yeah. All right, uh, Julio, tell everyone about the Contrarians, where they can find you, all that stuff. Uh, the Contrarians, just look for The Contrarians on your podcatchers or go to our website where thecontrarians.com is just a show where we talk about movies. We uh, look at their Rotten Tomato score and we argue against it. So if the movie's fresh, we'll talk about it like it's a bad movie. If the movie's rotten, we'll talk about it like it's a good movie. If we were talking about The Karate Kid 3, I'm assuming that's rotten on Rotten Tomato. So we talk about it like the masterpiece that it really is. And then on the second half of the show, we tell you how we really feel. So it's generally a lot of fun doing a lot of uh, Muppets movies these days. <laughs> That's true. Uh, oh my God. Is that, do I see, do I spy a 13%? I do. <laughs> oh That's my goodness. Unsurprising. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like these movies are on fucking Peacock right now. And Peacock is the worst streaming service. I don't know. Paramount Plus might be the worst. All right. I don't have Paramount Plus, but I can tell you this. Uh, Ashley's been watching a lot of Housewives, uh, and she's received, like, it, it has that, that $10 plan that's, like, m- like ads, and then, like, no ads, and then Star, and it's, like, mostly no ads. And then they just keep replaying the same three ads for something that's coming out on Peacock over and over again. And, like, like one's, like, uh, uh, a fucking sailor dies on a submarine in the middle of the ocean and it has to get fucking investigated. So like uh, when the news reporter comes on, she's like, a sailor has died in the middle of the ocean. And I'm just like, here's that trailer again. Then you got MacGruber and then there's a Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg show that it's just, it's just constant. And I, I, I fucking, I, I want someone at Peacock to be fired over this. Hmm. I, we used it to watch Halloween Kills. I think that's that was the extent of my Peacock experience. Yeah, I'm not gonna hold Peacock responsible for that movie. Uh, no, I I am. I I, per- I hold them personally responsible. Oh, there you go. But yeah, thank you for having me, guys. That was as much fun as I expected, and uh, I look forward to season five, especially because I get to talk to you about it. That's true. You're you're welcome back anytime there's Cobra Kai stuff. I, I'm waiting for the, the spinoff of the random dojo that they uh, also put in the fucking show that has to <laughs> f- go against another random karate school, I guess. I don't know. I don't care. That that works. The Hillary Swank dojo. That's oh, good. my God. I I'd, I'd like, oh, it'd be so great. All right. Uh, so with that, everybody, uh, 
after this incessantly long segment. Uh, it's time to cut in a quick break. And when we come back, uh, it's time for another incessantly long segment. As we will be talking about a cautionary tale of Netflix for the Adam Sandler classic, Jack and Jill. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into a cautionary tale of Netflix for Jack and Jill. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix. We're Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. Jack and Jill is a 2011 PG-rated comedy film that is a 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Family Guy Jack Saddlestein prepares for the annual event he dreads, the Thanksgiving visit of his fraternal twin sister, the needy and passive-aggressive Jill, who then refuses to leave. Uh, This is directed by Dennis Dugan, uh, written by Ben Zook, Steve Corin, and Adam Sandler. Stars Adam Sandler, Katie Holmes, and El Pacino. Dunkachino. Uh, it is serendipitous that it's Katie Holmes because uh, Ashley just posted her Dawson's Creek episode of uh, Rabbit Ears with Wayne of the Countdown. Go check it out. But uh, yeah, we saw Katie Holmes and you're like, oh, oh no, this poor woman had to deal with the, the Scientology crazy man that is Tom Cruise. And now has to be in the worst movie of all time by uh, considered by many people. Uh, what does Katie Holmes do? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. She just kind of shows up and stuff. She's always just kind of there. I don't know. I feel like she does the the thing where you know she just collects paychecks from Dawson's Creek syndication and moves on with her life. Yeah. I don't dislike her. She just never really no. does a lot of stuff in movies that she's in. Yeah. Like uh, when, you know, uh, what Rachel becomes Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight. Like that yeah. character is infinitely better. Like I, I, she's a fine actress, but it's just like she's not anything special. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but this is not dunk on Katie Holmes. This is talk about the fucking movie itself. What did you think of Jack and Jill? I don't completely understand why everybody thinks that this is the worst fucking piece of shit ever. Uh, it's a big piece of shit. Mm. It's probably not the worst movie I've seen in the last Gregorian calendar year. Probably not the worst Adam Sandler movie I've seen in the last year. 
it's not good, but it has it actually had like some moments that I found genuinely funny. Most of them yes. bird based. Well, so I think the first 10 minutes before Jill even shows up on screen is probably some of the strongest stuff. Because, like, it's Regis Philbin uh, doing a Pepto-Bismol commercial, which this movie is, like, littered, littered with product placement everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, was Ka- uh, so was Cobra Kai. We didn't talk about that because we literally couldn't talk about everything with the show. But well, that was, well that that's how was... they fund them going on a carnival cruise. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, they, like, and, I, and it makes sense, though, for the movie, considering the fact that uh, Jack is a commercial director. So, like... It may, I guess it makes sense that he would have all this shit, but like the first 10, the first 10 ish minutes, like there's actual like one liners and non sequiturs that are actually kind of funny. Like uh, the best joke in the movie happens in the first 10 minutes. And you pointed it out, you and I both agreed. Like I said it, and then you said it to me in a, in a DM that uh, the best joke is when Nick Swartzen says, uh, what is it? It is, uh, I'm the- not Jewish, <laughs> but I'm close to, I'm an atheist. <laughs> it's like holy fucking shit yeah and sam was like you can't say that Mm. that's anti-semitic i was like that's anti-semitic you can't say that and then of course sandler says the same shit so like i was on the movie's wavelength and then adam sandler and drag shows up yeah and if you thought that adam sandler would be the only uh person stepping into a drag show costume uh during this movie uh i'm sorry to say that uh david spade also is here yep so uh yeah the movie is about how she like so after she shows up after jill shows up adam sandler drag shows up there is a 10 minute long thanksgiving sequence which features alan covert as a homeless man uh which like yeah is gratingly annoying. Yeah. The only funny part about the that thing is the kid uh, who goes on to be Mowgli in the Netflix Mowgli movie. Uh, he has random shit taped to him. Yeah. At any time. He likes tape. So he just like tapes shit to himself, including like a drumstick off of the Thanksgiving turkey for some fucking mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, he, he tapes the pepper mill to his forehead and then Adam Sa- Adam Sandler and drag uses that to, to screw some pepper on onto her, her meal or I, I don't even know how to use pronouns in this fucking scenario. Well, the, uh, but, the character is female, so. Yeah, so like that was like that's like chuckle worthy, but like barely a chuckle worthy. It's like a, you know, air quickly passing through your nose kind of thing. Like, oh, that's yeah. a little funny. I don't know why. They wanted to make this movie. <laughs> it's like, hey, I have I have an idea for a script. Let's do the shit that Eddie Murphy was doing 10 years ago. I guess it was just like Adam Sandler was watching something and he's like, oh, this guy's in drag and it's really funny. I'll just play a very obnoxious version of myself, but I'm also wearing women's clothing the whole time. It'll be funny. I promise. All right, uh, let's talk about my favorite part of the movie. Uh, They go on a carnival cruise because every Adam Sandler movie is a thinly veiled premise for them to go on vacation uh, because Adam Sandler is a charlatan who steals money from movie studios uh, to take his friends on lavish vacations. Jill has a pet bird. uh, So they're at the buffet on the cruise ship uh, and the bird 
just like goes under the chocolate fountain and is holding its beak open with its head pointed up as to- chocolate just coats the entire fucking bird. And I fucking lost it. It is so goddamn funny. It's pretty good. I, I did. I did laugh at that part, too. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? The bird is drowning itself in chocolate. <laughs> I could watch that scene over and over like for hours. Yeah, I can tell you a different scene I would watch over and over for hours, but we'll get there when we get there. Because we'll, that yeah, is we'll get the, we'll get there. We'll get there. That is that is the kernel in which I, I feel like that was the kernel in which they decided this is this is the movie we have to make. Like we have to base around this one scene. And that's like you're like it's like that sausage party kind of effect where it's just the fucking f- like food all fucking each other yeah. where they're like, we have to justify this in some way. Let's get there. Uh, so for those of you who are unaware, this movie features uh Al Pacino. Yeah. Now they're going Adam Sandler's and, and production really company is fuck going, girl Adam Sandler. So that's part of it. But Adam Sandler's production company has a deal with Dunkin' Donuts, where Dunkin's like, yo, we're gonna drop you as our commercial people unless you get us Al Pacino to do the new Dunkachino commercial. Because because it sounds the, the same. Therefore, right. he's the only person who can be in the commercial. Uh so which like Opens up a whole new possibility of like advertising. So like we can get like Patrick Dempsey for Pepsi and we can get. Uh, hmm. Brainstorm with me, Dan. Come on, let's uh, um, we um, get a. Uh, 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 uh. I need brands. I need brands. I need brands. Um, 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 Oh, uh, uh, so, uh, I have my retro handheld, which is Anbrenick, which is close to my name. So we could, we have Dan Brennick for Anbrenick. God, do I really not know any brands? Uh, I don't know any brands either. The fuck. If you come up with a good brand idea, please let us know by, uh, tweeting us at Netflix and swill. This is so embarrassing. Sigourney Weaver for Lever 2000 Soaps. Is that anything? No, uh, we peaked with Patrick Dempsey for Pepsi, and that's where we left off. So Patrick Dempsey, please contact your agent. Uh, Let's let's go. So, yeah, the other the 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 way that they try to get fucking Al Pacino to be in this commercial is by basically luring him with Jill who is, again, Adam Sandler in drag. And Al Pacino finds this woman to be the most attractive thing he's ever seen. Uh, so so that's the movie. Uh, they go to a Lakers game because, of course, they do. Because, again, Adam Sandler pays for vacations for his friends. So everyone got to go to a Lakers game, including who is randomly in this fucking movie, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Jo- Johnny Depp do Bismol? Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. It's not the worst. Uh, so like Johnny Depp shows up. I know he was in uh, Tusk. He played uh, Guy Lapointe. I, no, not Guy. Yeah, Guy, Guy Lapointe in, in Tusk. So like, I don't know what favor Adam Sandler is owed by Johnny Depp or what fucking blackmail Adam Sandler has against Johnny Depp. But uh, 
Johnny Depp shows up in this movie. It's it's real quick, but like it, it's just it just stands out because it's so weird and dumb. Uh, I'm still stuck on this. Robert Downey Jr. Mints. Is that anything? What about Robert Downey Jr. Softener? Ooh. Uh, hmm. What about Dog the Bounty Hunter? Paper towels. <laughs> Uh, all right, fuck you. I I like I like uh, cleaning up messes of people jumping out on bail bonds. Just and I'm strong and tough, just like bounty paper towels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is so stupid. So yeah, that's the whole that's the whole movie. Uh, It's just nothing but like Adam Sandler as a woman being gross. Is is mainly the jokes because the non sequiturs and the one liners stop showing up in the movie uh, for for sight gags with Adam Sandler wearing dresses. So let's talk about the scene, unless there's anything else for some reason that you want to talk about that isn't the scene of the movie. Uh, no, I think I'm pretty good. Uh, All right. Although, if you want, I can read some IMDb. Uh, user reviews and you can try to guess what they rated it. Okay. Uh, One of Adam Sandler's worst movies and that's saying something. I watched it on the telly. The best bit was when they stopped the show and went on to a breaking news broadcast. Uh, One. Ten out of ten. Adam Sandler at his best is the title (laughs) of that review. Uh, Some sort of meta joke that that I'm not aware of. The title of this review is a genius comedian. (laughs) Uh, Adam Sandler for the majority of his career in which he's been the most bankable star in Hollywood for the majority of it has consistently made crappy movies with the exception of a few good ones like funny people punch drunk love or happy Gilmore here and there. Uh, And they seem to be only getting worse. He certainly has never reached as low as he has with this film. And I hope he can't go lower. I've got bad news for you writing this review in 2012. Uh, The funniest thing about 2015 is right around the corner. (laughs) The funny thing about it. Though, as his films, including this one, are huge box office hits, uh, they make over $100 million a piece with huge profits. Obviously, this is a one star review. Yeah. Uh, Here's one. Meh. Average movie about nothing. It's really disappointing for Sandler. Uh, What's that? Uh, Four. Four. Uh, That's five. And the title of the review is five. That's close. So little little on the nose there. Um, mm. uh, I, so I want to point out an IMDb goof. It's the main IMDb goof. Uh, I noticed this when I was scrolling through to look at like other shit on the on the thing. Uh, the goof is, is that if you take Al Pacino and change his name to Dunk, like his first name to Dunk, it's just Dunk Pacino, which doesn't make any sense. When you if you try to combine it into Dunkachino like the fucking commercial does. Yeah, that leads me to talk about the fucking commercial. Dunkachino is the greatest moment in in cinematic <laughs> history. It's so it good. is better than Cap. It is better than Captain America grabbing fucking Thor's hammer. 
It is better than it's uh, called Majolner. Fucking, uh, <laughs> it's it's better. It's better than seeing spoilers all three Spider Mans on on the screen at the same yeah. time. Uh, it's, it's better than it's uh, better than that idiot not being able to avoid driving the boat into the big ice cube. It's better than anything you've ever seen ever, because it's it's Al Pacino walking into a Dunkin' Donuts and some guy being like, "Hey, look, it's Al Pacino," and it's like, "No, it's Dunk Dunkachino," and then he breaks out into musical fucking numbers into a musical number, unbuttons his blazer, so you see a Dunkin' Donuts type yeah, vest, a, a donuts printed vest uh, with a matching jacket liner. <laughs> Uh, it's fantastic. It is transcendent. Uh, this is like this is the highest expression of art, and like everybody who you know is a painter or a musician or you know tr- does anything to try to capture the truth of the human experience. I'm sorry, but like you can pack it up and go home because we got it this time. Yeah. Uh, they got it in one. Yeah, they got the guy who says "hua" and she's got a great ass. They captured him into his <laughs> essence, boiling his boiling his his lines in that commercial down to facsimiles of his most iconic moments in film history. Say hello to my chocolate blend, and they they create a, a cinematic magical moment. That will never be topped by anything ever unless for some fucking reason Joe Pesci decides to come out of retirement again and does like a fucking Pampers commercial. (laughs) Holy fucking shit. And then, of course, they underscore it by uh, Al Pacino. I almost called him Dunkachino. <laughs> uh, by, by Al Pacino himself saying, Well, yeah, they, uh, they watch this. it, and, and Adam Sandler's like, What do you think? And Pacino's like, Burn it. No one can ever see this. Who else has seen this? Well, I showed my wife, and she thought, You need to talk to her. She can never say anything to anyone about this. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So, yeah. Uh, I guess that's it. Unless there's anything else you kind of want to say about the movie as uh, a movie. I want to I want to talk about a little family reunion scene uh with Felipe the the immigrant gardener uh who oh, because like badly written because here. they had to make some racist jokes to go along with their jokes about people being Jewish. Uh oh! Also, John McEnroe's in this, uh, and he also yells Jared at, Fogle. Yeah, also, uh, sex pest Jared Fogle, uh, is in here, which you know really puts a timestamp on this movie. Uh, wow. but anyway, uh, Jill goes along to Felipe's like family reunion, uh, and there's like a hilarious old grandma with one tooth. Uh, and she keeps getting hit in the face and knocked out. Uh, and she, they're like, get jalapenos. Uh, and this is another IMDb goof. 
Uh, when Jill goes to the picnic with Felipe and the grandma is knocked out, the family rushes around her and one says, give her jalapenos. The peppers they and give her are cayenne peppers, not jalapenos. Yep. But yep, she chews on spicy green. peppers and it it brings her. It's like smelling salts for for uh, Latinx <laughs> people. Do you get it? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Uh, and then Jill's really good at soccer, even though she's never played. She's like fucking Pele out there because apparently yeah. it's funny to see Adam Sandler in drag running around fucking schooling people and then kicking balls and nets. <sighs> yeah. There is there is a ton of shit like there is 85 minutes of shit that you have to slog through in order to get to the nugget at the end. This this beautiful gold nugget that deserves to be preserved everywhere for the rest of time. Oh, this is a uh, 11 of 16 people found this interesting. This is a uh, IMDb goof under the revealing mistakes category. When Jack watches Al Pacino on YouTube, the player shows 240p, but the video is in high definition. 11 of 16 found this interesting. Uh How sad their lives must be. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I will. I will say that the green there's some green screen moments where. um, uh, Especially like Jill's on the computer making a a fucking like match.com profile. And it's like her and the kids in the foreground. And then there's Katie Holmes and Adam Sandler uh, in not in drag in the background. And it is very obvious that they shot the Katie Holmes, Adam Sandler, not in drag part. And then greens put that up as the green screen and then had Adam Sandler in drag with the kids in front of the computer as the main shot. Because they had no idea what they were fucking doing in this movie. Yeah. And there's more shit like that, too. There's also some bad CGI uh, especially like whenever the birds tape to the back of the kid and it's just, it just looks awful. So and they tried something. Uh, I wish they didn't, but. All right, uh, let's wrap up this episode so I can go watch Dunkachino five times. That's true. Uh, you can find the show at, oh, actually, I should say, next week on the show, it's our uh, sixth annual Swillies or seventh annual Swillies. I have to look it up and see which one it fucking is. Uh, it's our annual award show. We award the best of Netflix from the year 2021 uh, and give you some recommendations on checking some stuff out that you may have missed if you're a psychopath and don't listen to the show on the regular, which you should absolutely fucking do. Uh, so you can find the show at Netflix one stop shop for all things Netflix and swill at Netflix as well. And all social medias go to patreoncom slash Netflix and swill to contribute to us monetarily. Uh, I'll, I will shortly, shortly, shortly be putting up the, uh, patron requested review uh, post for all $5 and above patrons. So uh, if you're one of those patrons uh, or if you're somebody who is uh, looking to potentially be one of those patrons, uh, go to there uh, and, you know, give us something to watch. Uh, apparently Julio is giving us something that I am not familiar with, uh, but uh, it it's, it's happening. I think.
thank you to Al Pacino for agreeing to be in the movie that was the apotheosis of Don Cacino so that we could have it forever. Al Pacino, thank you for humiliating yourself. Uh, also, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. Uh, I I do request that Don Cacino plays us off for this one. It probably will. All right. Well, until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Something's brewing at D&D. Wow! Al Pacino! It's not Al anymore. It's Dunk. Dunkachino? Don't mind if I do. What's my name? Dunkachino. It's a whole new game. Dunkachino. You want creamy goodness? I'm your friend. Say hello to my chocolate blend. Attica, who are lucky light. This whole trial is out of sight. They pull me back in with hazelnut too. Caramel swirl, I know it was you. Everyone wants my Dunkachino. Can't get enough of my Dunkachino. Kids from 7 to 17 lining up for my Dunkachino. What's my name? Dunkachino. Dunkachino. Dunkachino.